Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Once again, I'm I'm giving you guys reason to doubt my my street cred here. I've got another one of my buddies from Langley in. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> this is Steve Friend. He is a suspended FBI agent as a, uh, a whistleblower, I believe is the, the technical term. And um, Kyle Serafin put us in, in contact after I spoke to him. Uh, you know, cards on the table. I don't want Steve to be, uh, you know, led astray here. I am an abolitionist. I think that the FBI has proven itself to be uh, beyond reform. Uh, I don't know if that's his position or not, but it'll be interesting to find out. Basically, I just want to talk to some of the what I think are the good people that work for the the organization and and see if there is some reform that that can be found and uh, and if not, you know, what are the next steps and and what has his experience been? So, without further ado, thank you for joining us, Steve. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, well, hey, and more more than thank you for joining us. Thank you for for speaking out. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with your story, if you could just give a you know brief synopsis as to what you whistle blew about, and uh, and we'll go from there. So my uh, my background is I uh, joined the bureau in 2014 and spent the first seven years working on Indian reservations, mm. uh, and and that's a real niche uh, area in in the bureau, but it also affords you an opportunity to have a lot of repetitions on casework. So I opened probably 200 cases. Uh, when I transferred to Florida to the Daytona Beach uh, resident agency uh, and uh, was eventually moved over to work on domestic terrorism cases uh, and became familiar with the January 6th investigations that have been going on, mm -hmm. uh, I saw because of my experience that the FBI is departing from its rules for carrying forward uh, investigations and, uh, and just did some digging on that and, and got some pretty uh, disturbing uh, feedback on, on what is it, you know, what's the rationale for that. And then, and then also sure. just, you know, critical thinking on it and, and, <laughs> and just address that with, with my frontline supervisor and uh, a couple more layers up the, the chain of command uh, and brought those concerns go to them. And then ultimately made a decision that I said I, I didn't want to participate in, in some upcoming uh, January 6th arrests because I had some constitutional and civil rights uh, concerns. And uh, they saw they did this, did, didn't agree with me on that. And then they, uh, much like Kyle, found a way to work around the personnel action um, that they could take uh, in, in retribution for my whistleblowing and, and uh, actually suspended my security clearance. So that's a separate matter. Good Lord. Uh I'm just, they, see these stories make me so sad because like this is how it's supposed to work is like the good people within the the beast are supposed to you know stand up for the bill of rights <laughs> you know, like i thought i thought that's what uh i don't know if you guys take an oath to that do you in the fbi well, I mean, we take an oath to protect the Constitution, and, and that's right. certainly one of the things I said. And and we get specific training at, at the academy. They take you to the Holocaust Memorial Museum, and they take you to the Martin Luther King Memorial. And one day, it's kind of like this field trip. And at the time, I just remember thinking, like, well, we're just they don't want to have us in in class today, so they just got to give us a day out uh, outside and um, and kind of roll my eyes because I was like, it's so obvious. But the the training is. Hey, these things, this, these genocides and these civil rights atrocities can only happen if there's a complicit police force and nobody right. steps up. So it's incumbent on you to do that. And I was like, well, obviously. But yeah. apparently, like, they found the one or the two in, in Kyle and I who were actually going to do that. And uh, you know, when I pushed back, uh, my executive management said things to me like, your duty is to the FBI, not the Constitution. So you know, protect the shield. Wow. That's scary. Um, yeah. That is not your duty. <laughs> I think that you were doing your duty, and and it's it's so sad because I, I think this is a similar phenomenon, not in the federal police force, but in just local PD. It's like if you got if you have a cop who speaks out, um, you know, when it came to lockdowns or two A infringements, you know, you have sheriffs. Thank thank goodness that that come out and say, hey, I'm not going to enforce these these gun confiscation or gun ban programs. Um, this is. This is supposed to be like the federalist model of, you know, states' rights and everything else. You're you're supposed to have that ability for um, local jurisdictions to to say we're the last line of defense here. Like we're the people that have to make sure that if tyranny ever gets bad at the federal level, that there are you know stop gaps, and that's what you guys ultimately are supposed to be. Um, is the FBI reformable at this point? Because you know I, I asked Kyle about it, he said no. 
And I was surprised by that. Um, and I'm not asking you to, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here. I'm just curious what your honest opinion is. Uh, no, it's not affordable. Uh, I, I wow. agree with Kyle. Uh, I think it needs to be you know, broken to a thousand pieces, scattered to the winds. Uh, but I'm also, you know, pragmatic. I don't think that there is any politician who could assume the office of the presidency who has the, uh, the cojones to say like, Hey, we're, we're just getting rid of this mm. behemoth. And, but I, I also think that you can come to it from a logical conclusion, but with reforms, you know, be on the table because I've used this analogy of, um, you know, reverse engineered thinking. So if, you know, if you came to me and said, I have this stock that's worth a hundred dollars, uh, do you think I should sell it? I would say, well, if you had hundred dollars cash, would you buy that stock? Mm -hmm. What are the prospects of it? So similarly, if I came to you and said, you know, uh, what, what to do with the FBI, I was like, well, if you have eleven billion dollars, and I, and I have this law enforcement agency as it's presently constituted, would you give that eleven billion dollars to the agency? And there's mm -hmm. there's just no way. So I, I think you know that's that's a, the case that needs to be made, and and I have my you know a list of things that simple and, and uh, immediate reforms that could be, be put into practice that I think that uh, most people would sign up for because, you know, I, I think there's a need for, you know, a, some sort of apparatus, you know, to have a, a, a country, you, you have to have some law enforcement, uh, but certainly it's sure. to be scaled back greatly and, and the intelligence uh, aspect to it probably needs to go away immediately. And I think you'd probably get a lot of support from, from that. Yeah, well, I, I think that this is the one thing, one silver lining over the past couple of years is as the you know, foreign war on terror has become more of a domestic war on terror and the right wing has felt that wrath. I think many of them have realized what my camp, the libertarians, have been saying since since the war on terror began in 02, uh, that this is eventually going, you know, the Patriot Act will be used against you and it is being used against you. And and I'm grateful, you know, as you as you said, you you saw my uh, my interview yesterday where we got to talk about that. And it it's like, the, the right wing seems to be to some extent waking up to this. And I think that that's, that's progress because they're usually the thin blue liners. They're like, the, they're yeah. the ones that are going to defend the cops at all costs. Uh, but when you start to shut down people's churches and, uh, and, you know, force medical treatment and, uh, and then, you know, have basically, you know, I don't know if it's cruel and unusual punishment, but pretty harsh punishment for the January sixers, many of them, which were not violent, uh, I think that a lot of people are starting to open their eyes to like, okay, there's something amiss here. Like the, these are not, these are not the, uh, the guys that I thought I was supporting. And I don't know, like if you lose the right, uh, not, not you, but like if, if the, you know, the police establishment loses the right in some ways, that's a good thing. But in another way, it really concerns me because then it's only the left that has their back. And like the left in, in my view is particularly, uh, vicious, <laughs> and if they control, if they control the state apparatus, that's allowed to to crack down on on you know political dissidents. That's where you get into like really Stalin esque type territory. Um, sorry, I, I'm just kind of ranting here. I wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, the the January sixth situation because I, I think for you know any impartial observer, yes, it wasn't a good thing, but also you know, probably not worse than 9-11, as many politicians <laughs> framed it. Um, civil war, the civil war. Yeah, the, yes. Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> even worse. Um, what what What's your view of it? I mean, what's your view as to how the FBI has come after these people? It, it's, uh, or I don't even know if it's the FBI, maybe it's the Capitol Police, but you go ahead and just tell me what your thoughts are on it. Uh, so I'm I'm big on my motto is paint the fence in in your yard. So uh, I've just always just whatever that is presented in front of me is what I'm going to address. So uh, when I was moved over, which is a whole other thing, where I was working child pornography investigations, and I was told that's a local matter, you need to focus on domestic terrorism, uh, i.e., January sixth as a priority. They uh, pulled you off of that for that? Yes, yes. I, oh. I transferred. I transferred from um, Sioux City, Iowa, uh, to Daytona Beach, Florida, with the understanding that I was going to be working on violent crimes against children, uh, child exploitation, human trafficking cases. And then within a few months, when the new fiscal year rolled over and we had to set the metrics for the next year, they needed to throw more bodies at January 6th. And they said, you're going over to work domestic terrorism. And child porn is a local matter. Refer to the locals. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yes. So I, I, I had that experience right away going in, but I also had this you know, almost decade long of experience of doing criminal investigations. And a lot of the... Uh, the January 6th cases are actually criminal matters. But 
I can see right away that the way they're being carried forward is inconsistent with the rules that the FBI has for itself. And I'm competitive. I want to win if it's a righteous investigation, you know, regardless of you know, what the incident is, we need to do it the right way so we don't get called out in trial and lose, you know, and this, this bad guy walks free. Right. Uh, and uh, what I could tell January 6th should be one case that was opened in Washington, DC uh, with lots of subjects. And if they needed any sort of investigative work done, they would cut leads to the field to, to do what was ever necessary. But instead the FBI elected to open separate cases for every single person. And then instead of running them from Washington, they put those out into the field to be run from each of the, one of the 56 field offices as an office of origin. Now that is very atypical, but it is still allowable. Uh, when I, but what I came to learn from talking to my colleagues, once I got moved into the, the terrorism realm, they said, well, we still have to coordinate with Washington field office on what we're doing. So they were still giving directives to the field, which is not kosher with our rules. And um, I asked, well, if Washington's running the cases anyway, why did they put them out to us to be on paper in charge? And I was told that there was a big conference call and that question was raised and the headquarters had said, well, this is to get buy-in from the field. And I don't know what buy-in means. It's not yeah. uh, you know, an industry term, but uh, you know, I can use a little bit of critical thinking and buy-in either means um, we don't think you're gonna do a good job unless your name's on the paper, uh, which is pretty macabre view of your, your personnel. Yeah. Uh, or two is, uh, and it's kind of a two-parter, spread these cases around the field. It's going to create, uh, we've made one case into thousands, and now they're around the, their country. So now we have the stats to say, look at this huge rise in domestic terrorism around America. And with that, will backfill what we're getting up on the bully pulpit and screaming about why this is a huge threat to America. Oh my gosh. Uh, and also the senior executive service, the, the, the bosses of each of the field offices, they have compensation that's tied to meeting certain metrics. And the demand in this country for domestic terrorism uh, vastly outstrips the supply. So th meeting that metric is very difficult on an in-year-in, year-out basis. Mm -hmm. So now you've basically gotten 56 people there, 10 did, you know, or their 10,000, 30,000, whatever they were able to negotiate their bonus for the year because they hit that. So uh, that's that's horrifying. Uh, why would you want to put a bonus on? I mean, I, I guess I understand if you're like, if it if it's a really big problem and you want to incentivize someone to do the right, do their job. Yeah, great. But like, you're also basically giving them a, a financial imperative to go out and concoct things potentially. Yes. It's not case integrity or case quality. It's it's quantity, exactly. and and that's not unique to even January sixth. I, I mean, especially in national security, where there's a huge pool of funds and there's not a lot of oversight. It's just well, we can't have a September eleventh happen, so just throw lots of money at it. Mm -hmm. So I mean, there's there were occasions where uh, you know I had an incident where there was an individual who we had, were identified, and they said, well, we need to put put an open an ISIS investigation on this person. Why? why? Well, this person's in a chat room and in that chat room, there's another person and that person went to a different chat room. And in that chat room, there was an ISIS beheading video posted. Oh my goodness. And, I'm, but how, and there, well, there was no ISIS case in my field office. So mm. they needed to check the box and they were willing to <laughs> put this case on the individual. And, you know, I would never lead anywhere, but this case could be open and forever that individual would have this was once investigated by the FBI, you know, who knows if that leads to being on the no-fly list and, right. and all the ramifications that come from it, or, you know, say this person one day seeks a government employment. What do you know if they say, I want to be an FBI agent? Well, you were the target of the terrorism investigation, so good luck. Sure, yeah, and they could be a great upstanding person, and they've just been dragged into this for no reason other than a quota, essentially. I mean, that, that type of stuff is just, that can't be happening. That just can't happen. No. And and I, I think... You know, my, you know, my childhood view of people like yourself was that you guys were, you know, true believers. Like the, I am, I believe so strongly in like the foundational principles of this country. I'm willing to dedicate my life to, you know, trying to keep it afloat. And, um, I think that's probably the spirit with which many people in your field, you know, it, at least enter, uh, why is there not more people like you and Kyle? Like, why, why am I not seeing in droves people speaking out and saying, hey, there's something terribly amiss here? 
I don't think there are as many people as I, uh, that share your sentiment and mine. I mean, I, when I mm -hmm. uh, joined the FBI, it was like this career job I always wanted to have. I mean, look, I saw Point Break. Like, I want to do right. that. That's great. <laughs> and uh, instead, what has now happened with the employees coming in and then the focus on intelligence, you're, you're getting a whole lot of folks that are highly educated and they're, they're seeking a, a government service job. Uh, that entitles them to you know, carry a gun and have a guy, nice gold shield. They don't really have to do a whole lot of first responder work and their neighbors think that, you know, they're this great G man. Uh, and I think that that's, there's a large percentage of people that just kind of view it as a government job. They might, they might be working for HUD uh, or yeah. the FBI. It doesn't yeah. matter. And, and uh, when I sat down with executive management at one point and was, was sort of explaining my objections to what's been going on, I started to get upset at the very end. I was like, guys, you don't understand. I started to tear up when I took my oath of office. It meant that much to me. I, I'm that guy. I right. literally read the Declaration of Independence on, Jan on July 4th to my children. Oh, I love it. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry that like you found the one. <laughs> <laughs> you hired the wrong guy. I actually yeah. love this country. And uh, and and they it just kind of washed over them. I mean, they, they were just company man and... So wait, you, they asked me, you don't think that there's a, uh, that due process is going to be afforded to these people? I'm like, well, are you not following what's going on in the news? Mm -hmm. um, and, and because I'm a professional too, I, I track these cases, even if I wasn't investigating them. Um, I don't know if you tracked on this with me, but I was involved with the end of the Gretchen Whitmer takedown case. Yeah, and that, that was, was going to be my next question. So go for it. So I, I, I mean, I wasn't involved in the investigative portion of it. Uh, I was on a SWAT team that was asked to assist because it was such a big takedown. Um, went, drove 10 hours and uh, did this takedown on these guys. Uh, we were told at the time and during our briefing that they were super sophisticated, that they had encrypted communications, and that if they had any interaction with law enforcement, they were going to respond to a predetermined location and engage in a gunfight with anybody that they encountered. <laughs> so, nor so normally SWAT... Oh, and they described them as near peer, which that mean? I, I didn't know. And then they showed a video of these guys training, and I was like, their gear's better than ours. Their tactics are just as good as ours. And come to find out, it's because we train them and we equip them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, There's a reason for that. Yeah. Correct. And I mean, at the it was a quiet room. Normally, SWAT is pretty locker room, you know, jovial guys ripping on stuff. Got really quiet. And then the only joke that came out was one of our guys said, like, do you guys think they put on a school? Because I'd like to go. I bet they have a really sweet patch I could get. Um, oh but but we, uh, we did the takedown of this structure. Normally, that's, you know, you wear your cool guy, cries. Uh, Kyle calls him cool guy pajamas. And uh, take the structure and then turn it over the scene and you're gone. Uh, but instead, we had to post up like we were in a fob in Afghanistan and wait for these guys to come and, and shoot with, at us. And obviously, it never came to pass. Um, and, that, and I left and thought, look, I don't care about the politics of it. If you're going to kidnap and assassinate a governor of a state, we, we're, we're going to come down and, and we're going to you know, bring sort of justice down on you. Sure. Uh, but then, you know, what's come out afterwards, because again, professional, I tracked on that case and was very interested in it. And I, it's very clear to me that those guys were entrapped. And I felt like, hey, once shame on you, twice shame on me. So with, there's a lot of overlap in the Venn diagram between the Gretchen Whitmer case and the, the January 6th investigations. And, and I, I didn't want to be a blind you know, fool or a useful idiot in, uh, sure. you know, in, in this sort of what's gone on. So that was you know, another concern that I had that I just wanted to, to kind of beg off of it. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate it, man, because I think that you know, there's this tendency to, to be willing to stretch the, you know, stretch the rules or whatever you want to say. Um, when it comes to, you know, if you're, if you're a true believer, like I, I guess that's a good question. Let, let's go there. Uh, do you think that there are people that are working in the FBI that genuinely believe that like white supremacy and the alt-right is like on the rise and they are this terroristic threat? Because in my honest view, it's just a whole cloth fiction. Yes, there are. And they're, uh, they're heavily populated in the Intel analyst community. The, um, and, uh, and also within leadership. I mean, the special agent in charge of Jacksonville, I had a meeting with her. Um, and during that time, and, and she'd come on and then taken, assumed that role a matter of some months before. And it was very clear that she kind of leaned left in her politics. She put out emails after the Jackson Dobbs case about loss of women's rights. And mm. she, she put a big gay pride flag display up. Uh, so I kind of knew where the angle she was coming from. But 
one of the comments she made to me about it was that uh, I represented a really fringe belief in the Bureau and that uh, she, I wasn't there that day. She was there and she was very clear. She was on the seventh floor, which is FBI code speak for that's where the director works. So I was close to power. So I'm, real, I'm an important person. As the stark reality that the FBI is corrupt starts to seek into every pore within your being, you might be thinking to yourself, Clint, I need a drink. Well, friend, boom, rag proper. That's right. They're back. Promo code CR10, ragproper.com. That's R-A-G-P-R-O-P-E-R. Look at how sick these things are. Bam. Slip, resi slip resistant casing glass. So you can actually see how much is left in it. Let me see if you can. Yeah, there you go. Now you can see it. Super high quality. I'm like not even exaggerating. So impressed with these. Uh, I think you guys are going to love them. Look, Father's Day is not that far away. And you know what I always do? I always wait until the last minute and then I get my dad something he doesn't want. And it makes me feel bad. So you know what I did this year? I got a sponsor called ragproper.com. And I'm going to give both my father and my stepfather one of these and say, Dad, I love you. Get drunk on me. On the house, brother. R-A-G-P-R-O-P-E-R.com. Promo code for 10% off to my listeners only. Liberty Lockdown listeners only. CR10. That's Clint Russell. 10% off. Get it? Ragproper.com. Get your drink on. Let's go. Um, she said, I was on the seventh floor the day those people tried to seize our democracy. Uh, yeah. And you just, you, you're, you're not just being a good company man if you're using that language. Right. Yeah. No, that, that's a true believer for sure. I, I, I think that, um, I read some stuff about you that it was, that you basically were, were speaking out about kind of the inflated cases that were trying to, you know, paint this picture of this rising domestic extremism and terrorism. Uh, it, was I right that you were involved in kind of speaking out against that too, or did I get that wrong? No, I mean, I, that was one of the things I told my management. I said, look, this is very okay. clearly what we're doing. We're juking the stats. Right. And, right. Uh, and they, even my frontline supervisor was kind of like, yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying. And my coworkers, yeah, yeah, I get it. But, um, you know, that, that information doesn't get out unless somebody comes forward and says it. So, yeah, well, I mean, see, I, I'm so grateful for someone like you that's willing to do that because like. I'm just like sitting here as, you know, some commentator that is reading through these these statistics and I'm and I'm trying to like actually dive into these these news stories to see like cuz like if I if I'm living in a country where there is some, you know, alt-right terrorist rising thing, like I want to speak out about it, but I like I don't want to do that if it's bullshit, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and uh, you know, but from my you know, armchair quarterbacking this thing, I like I'm like I don't see it. I just don't see it, uh, honestly. And then, like, the only thing I do see is Patriot Front, which I don't have a clue who these people are. I guess I should ask you, do you have any opinion as to, like, is that a real organization? Is this or is this another Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping? I don't know. I don't really think firsthand about it. Um, but I know that they, they go do backbends in order to predicate investigations, you know, where essentially uh, – I guess they're in the early coordination phases after January 6th, uh, federal prosecutors put out and said, because you need a, an ideology in order to open a terrorism case. You can't just right. be like, well, he's a terrorist. I mean, well, they might now. But they said, <laughs> if they subscribe to a stop the steal ideology, that is a full predicate for a full terrorism case investigation. Oh, my like, goodness. That's an opinion on an election. That's not an ideology like you're willing no. to blow yourself up or, you know, you don't worship a, a certain god or anything like that. I, I think we really need to be strict about the definition of ideology, but definitely the the, the politics of it were there. Wow. And, uh, and they, That's and they scary. stretched to do that. So it, it's, it's a problem. And, and I've said that the FBI is supposed to be about law and order. Take all the politics out. It's supposed to be about maintaining law and order. But if you know you and I have a conversation and we could talk about anything, we talk about like you know nuclear weapons or environment or tax rates, and you and I might have completely different opinions, but we can sit down and talk because in America we have a First Amendment. But you're not going to sit down across the table from me if you think that I'm an Al Qaeda member who's got a suicide bomb strapped to my chest. And right. if we give the impression that half the country who happened to vote for the Republican nominee for for president is a terrorist, we're never going to be able to have any sort of you know, dialogue in this country, which is going to just going to break down.
exactly thank you <laughs> this is all i've been saying for two years <laughs> like i remember after uh you know biden's red speech or whatever they call it where he's he's standing there and he's just like basically the extremist maga whatever uh republicans and and i'm like I, for the record libertarian i'm not even a republican um but i share you know the the affinity for the bill of rights that comes from the you know the, the right wing of this country and you know, I'm I'm being swept up in this labeling as well, you know, because like don't tread on me. Like those that's also now paraphernalia of potential uh, you know, domestic violent extremists. And it's like I am the last person that you should be worried about being violent. Like my entire principle is the non-aggression principle. I do not want war. Like <laughs> my whole life is dedicated to preventing World War Three. Like that's what I'm all about. Um, but this is where we're at now. You know, we have we have the sitting president of the United States categorizing over 70 million people ultimately without saying it explicitly but pretty damn close as you know the enemy and and i don't know how you come back from that like i like once you're to that position like even even with trump you know like he was he was bombastic and he definitely had his own vitriol for the left but it was mainly targeted towards the media and the politicians like i don't remember him ever saying anything like the the democrat voters are you know potential terrorists you know and it, I, I don't know i guess any thoughts man as to like what that portends for this nation uh nothing but trouble i mean i, I i'm libertarian as well and that's something i, I okay. vocalized to my, my my management i was like look I, this isn't me like stepping up because i'm a MAGA guy and i gotta protect myself my, my own you know this is not team red versus team blue um i didn't even vote for the president uh, for president trump so yep, like, like that's 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 Same. not it for me. And strictly <laughs> constitution. And even if these guys committed these violent, horrible acts on video, okay, we still have to follow due process. And mm -hmm. I know you're telling me that the uh, you know, the judge signed off on this this warrant. It's a it's a lawful order. You must do it. And I said, but if the judge doesn't know that we used improper means to obtain the probable cause for the warrant, that's a civil rights problem, and they just can't can't comprehend it and uh, to me it's no different than you know clint kills a uh kills his neighbor and then i boot in his door and get the knife from under his mattress i, I need a search warrant to do that i can't right. just do that so because because on appeal i'll probably be let free yes and and you know and, and just to the worldview at large you can have two neighbors that you know all one was democrat one was republican or you know one's a socialist and one's a fascist or whatever uh but as long as they look at each other with sort of a libertarian view of hey you do you i do me exactly completely you know we can we can operate but mm -hmm. if one side is saying that which not is banned is required and the other side's like well i'm libertarian <laughs> that's irreconcilable differences at that yes. point and the, and the country can't sustain Bingo. I, I, that's exactly, that's exactly what I said to Jesse Kelly. Uh, I, I really just don't think that we can live amongst one another if, if we're to that level of, of extremes and it breaks my heart, you know, like, like I, I just, I, I really didn't see it coming. I thought that we would have like a economic collapse far before we had this kind of, you know, governmental tyrannical, you know, path that we've just sprinted down. And I, I really didn't see it coming. Um, obviously, I did warn about the Patriot Act, and I thought that it would ultimately be used domestically. But it was just like the the 2020 inflection point, just like put everything into overdrive, and and I don't know how we recover. COVID, um, COVID exposed so much to me, and and I look, I'll, I'll I'll own when I'm wrong. I was wrong about the Patriot Act. I mean, I was in high school, so it was just kind of like let's right. get this terrorist. Research, but yeah. uh, you know. And then to their credit, a lot of the folks on, on the right have now said, like, well, those Ron Paulites were had had a point. Yeah, they yeah. Come for around sure. to their thinking. Uh, but during the you know the lockdowns, the fact that we that people sat there and thought we could put pause push pause on the economy. And I thought, man, there's not enough Netflix and there's too much <laughs> right, right, Gadsden right. flag waving and come and take it in this country. No way, no way. It's never gonna happen. And then lo and behold, you got that seventeen hundred dollar stimulus check. And all these dudes with 30-inch biceps that were double masking their toddlers to go into Costco and that are now screaming, we need a civil war. I'm like, guys, like, just do a self-evaluation. Like, two years ago, you just sat there. So right. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it doesn't pretend for, for anything good. No, that's a great point, man. And I think that that was really the moment where, you know, I, again, not calling for violence at all, but just saying, like, like, we're not doing this. Like, we can't do this. This is such a dangerous path to take.
And, you know, especially now in hindsight, which I knew in the moment because I was actually doing my own research, um, that this was only going to be lethal for the elderly and the infirm for the most part, and that this was completely, you know, counter to everything in every way possible. Um, but it's just, it's just very sad that, you know, the, the people that I, I still believe to some extent, you know, share our opinion of the bill of rights. Um, they just didn't, they weren't there for it. They like, they, and, and then, uh, the really tragic part in my opinion is that like the thing that does activate them is the Trump election. And mm -hmm. for the record, I don't have a firm opinion as to whether or not that election was legitimate or, or stolen. I, I don't, I don't know. I like, how could I possibly know? But I feel that way about every election. How do I, how, how would I know? Um, but it, it just, it just, the fact that like they'll rise up for this guy, but they won't rise up for themselves. And I think that there's a, there's for their a church, problem there. their, your right. church got shut down. Exactly. Your, your, your kids, you know, their their education was disrupted, which actually in the end of things might be a good thing because it <laughs> yeah, exposed some positive, of the problems. Yeah. That's the, the <laughs> silver lining of the, the lockdowns. Sure. But yeah, just being mobilized. But, you know, I think that might also be downstream of, of the lockdowns themselves. I mean, there was nothing to do and, and, and sports were shut down. Politics mm. became sports for people. That no became kidding. their means of entertainment. And, uh, and then it's professional wrestling. It's mm -hmm. theater most of the time, um, but you know now that you know some return to normalcy has happened, and the sports are there. But I think people have been sort of activated. You get a lot of people that uh, were like, "Hey, I watched my NFL games on Sunday, but uh, I don't like all these uh, these you know gay pride flags flying uh, or commercials are." And so some they've just stayed in this political realm, um, and and that's just become their team red versus team blue. And, mm. and that's why, you know, you had this huge pushback on the, the election results. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I mean, I, there's some certain things where I'm kind of like, that doesn't make sense. But I would have really appreciated just a fully transparent, like, this is what happened. And, and Me that's too. not, and, and again, I have my own suspicions of why that's not been brought forward, because you just kind of keep raising the temperature of that boiling pot. And that's when you get a January 6th. So you think that they're, they're not addressing their concerns about the election to catalyze more craziness? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, well, I, wow. if you look back at 2020 entirely, you know, where we had the, the summer of, of love of the, <laughs> uh, the George Floyd riots, yeah. um, you know, and which tended to carry on the, the left wing banner, if we're going to be honest. Of course. And that was the one thing that the, the right had on the left where they said, well, we don't go by, we don't get violent. We don't get violent. You all got violent. You burned cities. You killed people. And then they were able to raise the temperature enough that even though the only people that died on January 6th were protesters themselves, and it was, certainly wasn't in this mass, uh, you know, quantity that we saw around the country in 2020, well, now it's now we're on par with each other. Right, See, you right. do it too. You do it too. You yeah. don't have that talking. It's I mean, is it all a talking point? Uh, but and and now the, and the FBI is supporting it. You know, the FBI is is pushing back on you know, free speech from from one side of the aisle. The FBI is you know, pushing forward uh, narratives that are completely false. My, my executive management, as well as uh, individuals who I spoke to at the security division, told me that the protesters on January 6th killed police officers. This is now more than two years after the incident, and they're just going to never come off of it because they how is, have How to. is that possible? Uh, so... Again, it's a question of ideology versus ambition. Uh, the guy who told me it from the executive management standpoint, definitely an ambitious guy. Uh, he, okay. I, he, he, I guess, from what I understood before he assumed the role of a you know assistant special agent in charge, he was uh, joint terrorism task force supervisor and had vocalized, "Well, I don't know if we should be doing this." But then once he got that promotion and wanted to keep that promotion, he he became a company man and said, you know, he questioned me. He said, look, do you think that people who kill police officers they should be held accountable, not be held accountable? I said, they didn't kill police officers. And he said, you, you really need to go back and check the facts on that. I'm like, I, I think you need to, but yeah, dude, like, <laughs> and uh, where, where's the trial? If so, I know, I know. And uh, the, uh, the technicality that I got, and this was uh, a week ago from the security division, they said, well, you know, the Department of Justice ruled Brian Sicknick was in the line of duty death. So it, they killed him. Oh, so that's that's the justification. Was, wow. And they said, so, so do you, you would agree to that. I was like, I would agree that that's what the Department of Justice ruled. Right. Because <laughs> that's a matter of fact as well. But the fact is the guy died of a stroke the next day, which is sad. I mean, yeah. I feel bad for his family. I'm not trying to laugh at a man's premature demise. Of course. Uh, but you cannot attribute that to another person that's that's patently false 
Yeah. Well, and I could make just as reaching of an argument that he may have died because of a certain medical treatment that was forced upon him. But but I would I, <laughs> but I would also just be guessing. You know, I don't I don't know yeah. what like he honestly like the stress of the of him in that you know scrum uh, could have been what led to his stroke the next day too. Like it's possible. I but yeah. it's weird if so. Like I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's that. See, this is this is what really scares me though, man. Because like. How does a an ideology that is so detached from reality become what the company line is? Like, how is it that this is? I, I we already kind of you know danced around it, but like, is it just simply that some of the higher ups they come out of you know academia? They're kind of programmed into the liberal narrative world order type deal, and then as they rise through the the ranks. That's there's also incentives to kind of become more in that that way of thinking. Like I'm just trying to understand how it happens, so maybe we can try and undo it. I don't know. I, I think you're right on that because the uh, you know, yeah yes you you have to kind of vocalize the, the same thing. You know, we, you know one of us. You know, you have to you have to do that if you mm -hmm. want to ascend that ladder. But I also think that uh, the nature of bureaucracy is to always grow. So you're always True. going back and trying to get more funds and you got to come up with more programs to justify your next promotion. So you come up with a new program that yep. needs to get funding and keeps growing. Iron and, growing. Yeah. and I'm, that's not my nature. If, if I was in a position of management, um, I would say like, what can we cut? Exactly. And, and I would never be promoted. So the right. people that are more inclined to accept that premise are also going to kind of share that worldview of this on the left. They're not going to be a libertarian mm -hmm. constitutionalist mindset. Right. So it's self-selecting, uh, yes. basically like the parameters allow for whoever has that type of worldview to become in power. Well, then <laughs> how, do you, how do you, how do you fix that? <laughs> well, you have to set very strict, you know, strict guidelines as to what's allowed and, and what's not. And you have to um, really do, I think, a periodical and, and regular assessment and an honest assessment of, of what happens and not not the way that it's presently constituted. They, they're, they're using this field office strategic planning threat uh, review prioritization thing from McKinsey that you know got implemented about a decade ago. Uh, and the the agents in the field, the, the, the boss in the field, essentially set budgets for themselves. They set the numbers for everything from the number of cases and the number of arrests and stats. They just invent out of whole cloth. And they, they basically have to set the numbers in a way that they can achieve the numbers so they can get their bonuses and say how awesome they are. And then copy and paste it to the next year. And even though you were awesome, we're going to still keep the numbers low enough to, to we can achieve them next year, but right. then justify our existence. And, and that's, that's just not an honest assessment of success. For, for the Bureau at large. And yep. so I think you, you have to consult with people who know about law enforcement, not know about government management. Right. And, and, that, and as long as you continue to bring on, in, you know, especially at the top of the chain, you have an FBI director who's not even an FBI agent. He doesn't mm -hmm. have a background in that. You know, Louis Free was the last one and he didn't even do a full career of it. And there, mm -hmm. To me, there's, there's no reason why you couldn't bring in legitimate, you know, even large police department uh, leadership and, and you know, and I even look into like you know the lieutenant rank because a lot of times the, the, the majors and the chiefs are kind of political themselves, but they know how to run the show and they're doing it in with a completely diametrically opposed view where they're trying to keep the numbers down, whereas the FBI wants to bring the numbers up so they can keep getting their funding. Yep. Um, so you just need to to, to be honest in the assessment of it, and uh, yeah, they're not. Well, yeah, I think that's a similar you know phenomenon to what you're dealing with in some of the hard blue cities with you know killings that are skyrocketing and it's like the cops really aren't incentivized to stop this stuff and, and ultimately it's very difficult for police to stop murders it's like you usually just arrest people after it's done it's like to actually stop it is very very rare um but i just think that you know the iron law of bureaucracy is is really destroying us in a, a multitude of ways and and let's just be honest like from my vantage point someone like you is who we need in the position that you're describing of being like, I'm going to provide oversight to like actually give the real, you know, vision as to like what we're succeeding on, where we need to cut, where we need, like you need a, a real, like someone that has your worldview that's in there. That's, that's willing to say, yeah, I understand that like this may get our budget cut, but like we, we can apply these resources elsewhere. We can focus on something else. Like we can't, we can't continue to just, grow this thing for the sake of growing it 
and but you're suspended. <laughs> like yeah. you're 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 the type of guy that should be doing this and you're suspended. So that tells me they have no interest in any of what we're describing. And, and in fact, not just no interest in it, but like an actual aversion towards it. And and that's that just seems like a dead end. Yes, and and there's I I it doesn't even have to be a Steve Friend clone in the room. Uh, it has to just be a person who's willing to say that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> right, right. And and that's uh, I mean never never done. I mean I had wow. uh, I had the experience to be an acting supervisor for 100 days. My supervisor retired, and there's a lag time till they get a replacement. Uh, so I got a real know small view behind the curtain a little bit it was and i said i was like i felt like a kid who had two years of high school spanish in cancun on spring break like i didn't i understood like every like eighth word <laughs> that these people were talking about um but it was very revelatory about their 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 views on things i mean in these meetings i had to sit on where they said well, we don't care if you arrest anybody uh, we just need to get intel packages up and then i had to sit through these this budgeting process and in sitting in the room and where i'm like well why are we doing that? Why wouldn't we just do that? That seemed a lot more simple. And, and it was just like, oh, no, no, this is the way we, we, we do it. And we're going to do it in a way that's not cost effective, that we're going to do it in a way that's going to give us the opportunity to expand always. And if you don't, it goes back to even simple, you know, we got to spend the money this year, otherwise we won't get it next year. Like, well, if we don't spend it this year, then we don't get, we don't need it next year. Well, I, I don't see the problem here, but that's, that's no, you can't even bring that up. I mean, they were desperate. They would call us up at the end of the year and say, you know, what do you need? What do you need? And I mean, I would say, well, you know, our printer in the office, because I was an office of like three guys. It's like our, our printer needs some cartridges. Uh, that'd be great. And they were like, oh, that's that's administrative. That's not us. We need we need to spend it on this specific thing. And, and um, I'm like, well, can I get uh, a jump drive? And it's like, no, you can't have that. Like, <laughs> I got to have to go to Staples and get that on my own. Yeah. Uh, I was like, well, what, what can we get? They bought us a uh, Polaris Razor for $30,000 and I couldn't get a jump drive that was more than eight gigs. Bizarre. What a, yeah. what a strange, yeah, that's, and that's, that's just, really nobody's in, nobody's in the room saying, Hey guys, that's a really bad idea. Yeah. Like what the hell is the Polaris being used for? Uh, we, they, they said, well, there could be, I was on an Indian reservation. So there okay, could be a okay. remote area yeah. that you might need access. Now the, the tribal police officers, they had, you know, four wheelers and stuff for us. Right, but, right. But, but the FBI wanted to have its own. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, <laughs> hey, who doesn't want a Polaris? Those seem fun. Yeah. Um, well, all right. So I I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the, you know, from the libertarian angle as to, you know, most libertarians kind of perceive the FBI as having been basically an unconstitutional organization from, from its inception and, and being rife with corruption and political maneuvering for basically its entire existence uh, the way you're portraying it it's it's more as if there has just been kind of an ideology that i would consider to be sick that has seeped into the the higher ups and i have to wonder though if there isn't something more afoot you know if this isn't a, a more of a concerted effort to try and do something like, i don't know what that something is but like the fact that it's happening i mean it it's it, it's a fair it's a like I I waver on this constantly I don't know which it is so I'm this is an honest question I see the same phenomenon happening in our military where you have this kind of woke ideology that's that's permeating the higher ups of the military as well and from my vantage point that doesn't make any sense because like you're for for multitude of reasons but one. Like they used to be really anti-communist. Like that's what most of our wars over you know the past fifty years have been is allegedly in opposition to communism, um, and now it seems to be that like they're far more in alignment with leftist politicians globally than they are the right. Um, that seems like a real big shift, and it and it makes me feel as if like the the highest levels of our government and our you know military police force, the entire the whole thing seems to have had a real big paradigm shift and i don't know why and i i keep i've i've already asked you this question in a different way kind of two times i'm i'm trying to get more into the conspiracy side of this like do you think that there like am i just am i reading too deep into it i think it's tempting to think that there's this you know this one key 
piece of the puzzle that'll right. put the whole conspiracy together. Yeah. I think I just want to fix it. It's Steve. messy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 messy. I think uh, you know, military law enforcement. Uh, back to what I said before, like keep the status quo, law and order, right? So if you're looking back, you know, in the anti-communist days, we're going to go after the communists because they're a threat to the status quo. And now mm -hmm. that our our political the whirlwinds have shifted us vastly to the left. We got to still keep the status quo. So, what is the enemy of the status quo? It's people that you know want to you know shoot guns and uh, you know and have their freedoms and and, and don't so like paying taxes. Correct. <laughs> so those are now the new enemy, and I think it's you know the FBI might be in keeping with its you know, questionably constitutional you know existence, uh, yeah. but its function of we need to you know protect the continuity of the government system that we have, which is big government at this point it's very progressive mm. it's very large and cumbersome and you know and not afraid to you know intrude on people's rights and uh and the fbi is now this enforcement arm of it and it's not yeah. not doing the investigations um but again it's also prioritized the intelligence uh, above investigative work so it's you know and in intelligence on its own people that's that's where we've gone to and and when you have that happen it's you, the the people that you're supposed to be protecting become the enemy. It's it's us versus them mentality that you see, and I've, I've pointed out where like you have a local small police department, and they don't have any crime because it's Mayberry, so they just write a lot of tickets. And what happens is psychologically, when you're writing a lot of tickets, everybody becomes the enemy because you're always looking for that bad guy, and that's your bad guy. So if you're gathering intelligence on your citizenry, everybody's a bad guy. It's a great point, man, and and I think that. You know, this is why our founders tried to make it so that you couldn't spy on the American people um, and also why you weren't supposed to be able to propagandize us either, which changed about a decade ago. And it's uh, yeah, it's a trend line that's really disturbing. But I, I wanted to ask you, you know, you're the way you're portraying it. There's very few people in the organization that that share you know your and Kyle's worldview. And I'm just curious if you feel you know, as little support from the political class. You know, I think like a guy like Thomas Massey or Rand Paul or a handful of others may, you know, share our belief system. I don't really know for sure. Um, but it seems like a very small amount would actually consider major, major reforms. And, so, you know, maybe one of them might consider abolition. Um, is there is there a political, like, chance here to actually see something done? I think that, that who are the real allies uh, is going to become very evident very quickly with this new subcommittee yep. and under the Judiciary Committee. Um, and I've pledged to cooperate with them and help them in any way that I oh, can. Oh, great. Uh, but the, uh, I, I think a, a lot will be revealed with what they prioritize. And it's just, it, are you smart tactically with how you're going to bring this forward? Because right. it's it's every 24 hours, something you know pops up and they're like, oh, we're going to investigate that. And we're going to investigate that. It's like, guys, you got to, you really got to limit the bandwidth. You got to focus in on things. And they have to be things that are laid out sequentially so that you will be able to get to where you need to go to have major reforms. So I contend that the, the number one priority we need, I don't want to hear about the Hunter Biden laptop. I don't want to hear about classified documents in the Corvette garage. The number one thing that they need to prioritize is what has gone on against whistleblowers. They are going against their own people that are trying to hold them accountable, and they're silencing those people, and they're and they're victimizing those people. If you do that, I'm not saying that you know it's it's self-serving, but if you do that, and Kyle and myself, we've you know, basically laid down on these grenades. Um, if you do that, then no show, one no one will follow you. The, it, you will have the, the treasure troves that you have been seeking. Uh, and if you really want reform, right. uh, those people will come forward because they said, hey, look, they, they, those guys were, were you know, dangling in the breeze for a long time. But when they got control, the first thing they did was make, the, make it right, protect those guys. And yeah. now you know, we won't have to launder our little tips. Like Kyle gets tips all the time. We had, we had tips this week about you know, what's been going on with you know, whistleblowing training with uh, insider threat training. That they've commingled them now, and it's basically encouraging the bureau employees to look for uh, whistleblowers as potential insider threats. Wow! That's, and I'm not in. I don't get that training. I'm not there. But the, the the people that have stayed behind that are still in our network are sharing that information with us and laundering it out to us because you know we're, we're kind of burned at this point. Uh, but if they won't have to. They'll come forward, and you know, and Jim Jordan and Thomas Massey and Andy Biggs and and the like. 
that you won't need to issue subpoenas. The people will just come forward with the information and, and that will be, you know, where, where the, okay. the biggest impact is. Okay. Well, I no, that's, that's a, I, I understand why you have to frame it by saying like, yes, this is self-serving, but you're, you're <laughs> right. I mean, it's just obviously true that if, if you don't look after the people that have the courage to tell the truth about what's happening, well, then people aren't going to tell the truth because they're going to be like, I don't want to have my life ruined, uh, especially if you guys are going to ultimately do nothing to help. So yeah, that's that's really important. And do you think that the the GOP though, like broadly, are they serious about this? Dare, I, I know you said like, we'll we'll find out here soon, but do you have an opinion as of now? Uh, I, I said like that the trust but verify is now like doubt entirely. Uh, okay. Especially yeah. <laughs> after last year, I mean, they what what they sell out on? They sold out on the the stimulus or the stimulus, the uh, the budget in the yeah. in the lame duck. They sold out on gun control. They sold out on protecting li religious liberty, and, and and now they say, well, well, now we have the gavels, so it'll be, you know, it'll be good. So mm -hmm. I I think that uh, there needs to be uh, trust but verify needs to be amped up a, a couple of notches on you know what uh, being realistic about what's going on. But you know they have the opportunity. Um, you know, and it's always hope springs eternal. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to do what I can. Like I've, I've laid it out. Please, there. man. And, Please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to try to keep, you know, finding out who the good ones are and, and, and hopefully uh, bring my information to them. Yeah. Well, rhetorically, Kevin McCarthy has been saying some things I actually agreed with. And I haven't, I don't know if he's ever done that ever. So uh, the past 10 days have been really refreshing. And I hope that it's real. You know, I hope it's serious and sincere because. You know, the GOP has a real opportunity to like bring a lot of the people that value the Bill of Rights back into their camp because they've lost a lot of us. And and but all they have to do is actually do it. They have to mean it. And I don't know. I don't know if they're capable of that because like we don't have time, man. There's there's a lot of people in my camp that like we understand how dire things are. The reason that we vote libertarian and not and not Republican is because we don't believe you sons of bitches. Like we don't yeah. believe that you're gonna do anything. And all you have to do is actually defend the goddamn Bill of Rights for once, and you could get a hell of a lot of us back in your camp. Yeah, um, I think. So. I, I mean, I think that the term "rhino" is uh, is misapplied. I think it's the the rhinos are people who vote Republican because they they believe in the Bill of Rights and they have this libertarian worldview, um, and they, that's point. really the only party that they have as an option that's a viable right. source. But the the ones the, the the Republicans that are actually getting elected that represent the the, the parties core beliefs they're, they're they're closer to democrats yeah yeah man this has been a great conversation um it, it depressed me but it also gave me a little bit of hope the perfect <laughs> liberty lockdown episode uh <laughs> thank you so much for joining me steve uh, how, how can people follow you support you everything else uh thank you uh so i have a, a book that went on pre-sale this week called true blue so that is available on amazon awesome. uh, i will be uh, on sale in july i am uh, on twitter at real steve friend true social at real underscore steve friend because i like to keep you on your toes <laughs> well is the is the uh the pre-sale up on amazon right now because i'll i'll add yeah. the the link in the description if so yeah, it, it sure is. Uh, it's got a nice uh, picture that's nice and airbrushed. They made me look like a Pixar princess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's a SWAT picture my wife maybe take, and I was like, this can never get out. You can never, ever. And now America gets to see it. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, no no lie, man. Uh, like People like you are are very rare, and, and we need a lot more of you. And I hope that there's more of you than we suspect. And I hope that if they actually look after you and Kyle, that there will be a lot more that actually pop their heads up and start to tell the truth, because I don't want to believe that there's only two good guys in the FBI. Like I really don't want to believe that because if that's the case, uh, we're in a lot of trouble. So we'll see. Anyways, thank you for joining us, Steve. Uh, make sure you guys, uh, you know, follow him and, and buy that book. Cause uh, I'm sure it's going to be revelatory and, uh, even though I'm not religious, pray. Pray at the end of the day. We're out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?